Welcome to the Firing Log, podcast edition. I'm Odin, and I run the Anagama-West.com website. As I speak, the kiln is in cool-down mode. I fired from Sunday, December 17th, through Friday, December 22nd. Actually, it, I guess it extended into the wee hours of December 23rd. About 9 p.m. on the 17th, I lit the gas burner, and 24 hours later or so, I started sticking little bits of wood into the kiln and built up a raging fire, got really, really tired, and then let it finally all died down. I'm not going to say that this podcast is going to be the most interesting one. In fact, it'll probably be one of the best ones to use to help get a few moments of snooze time. But I wanted to make it just so that in years to come, I can look back and see how wrong I was thinking about everything. You know, maybe in a few years I'll have tons of experience under my belt and everything I say right now will just sound so incredibly ludicrous. So I just wanted to make a, a record, I guess, of my um, of my learning. And that's what this is about. So please do not take anything I say in here as um, instruction or advice or experience or wisdom. This is just me sitting by the fire, getting really, really tired, stoking the kiln, and recording it. Oh, and at the very end, I will relay a nightmare, an actual nightmare for your own dream analysis. If uh, the results are too embarrassing, please do not contact me. With that said, let's get to it. It's Sunday, December 17, 2006, about 9.30 at night, and I just finished lighting up the gas burner, so the kiln's in preheating stage right now. My plan is, um, I'm going to go home, I, I don't, I don't live where the kiln is, I'm going to go home and sleep. <clears throat> I have uh, two more propane tanks I need to fill up, so on the way back out to the kiln tomorrow, I'll fill up the propane tanks. And then from then, I'll just stay out here. I won't leave. Let's see. Got to remember to order the porta potty. Totally forgot to do that. Again, I have high hopes for the firing. It's, um... I'm going to try to fire the same way I fired last time. So I hope I'll see some reds. But we shall see. I'll keep my fingers crossed and try to stay awake and try to try to have a happy fire. I guess that's all for now. It's December 18, 12.30 p.m. and the kiln is preheating. Nice, getting a nice even rise. I go out, uh-oh, cat fight. Just a quick correction, that's 12.30 a.m., a little after midnight. Yeah, the cats. So anyway, um, been preheating and getting a nice even temperature rise. 
I'm at the stage now where the rice bran in the wadding starts to burn out. And this is an uncomfortable part because the, um, the work area fills up with sort of this, um, the stench of burning rice bran, which, uh, doesn't smell anywhere as near as nice as you might think. It gives me a headache. So, I'm just hanging out inside the studio with the cats, breaking up cat fights. Just kind of... Actually, the pre-eating's kind of dull, you know, so I'm just occupying my time writing or reading or something like that. But, uh, so far, things seem to be going well, and looking forward to a good firing. I think I'm going to try to reduce the amount of time that I do the gas burning. I think two days is kind of excessive, and uh, I'm going to try to back off on that a little. Oh, and here's Little Nugget. She wants to be petted. So, I will sign off. It's 9.15 p.m., and I'm um, now stoking little bits of wood occasionally in be in between the uh, in the, between the bricks and the gas burner. I've decided I'm going to try to cut back on the time I preheat with a gas burner just because I don't think it makes any sense to do it for two days because the burner isn't really powerful enough to get it beyond a certain temperature. All it does is, I, I imagine it dries out the kiln to some degree, but um, I don't think it really does anything. And the last time I fired, I noticed that uh, the pottery had a lot of... Well, before I, started, before I started the wood, the pottery was collecting a lot of black stuff. And I also know that the porcelain that I fire on the front side tends to have a bluish cast to it, which I think is... Uh, I think that's carbon stuck there. So in this firing, I'm taking two steps to reduce that. And that's, I'm not going to use the charcoal. I'm going to use actual little bits of wood. And I'm going to cut back on the time I use the gas burner. I don't know if it'll make a difference. We'll see. You know, when wood burns, it makes black soot too. But uh, the propane makes a, a real fine black soot all over the fronts of the pieces. And I want to, I want to minimize the amount of um, black crud on on the pottery. At least the at least the stuff that's glazed, uh, the stuff down in the firebox will get lots and lots of black crud when it's covered in coals. But that's intentional, so that's all right there. My kill monitor is my two Radio Shack digital altimeters. They're set to read read voltage. And uh, the nice thing about them is they have a serial out, so I can connect them to a really old computer I have, prehistoric dinosaur kind of a computer, which I'm shocked has continued to function after all these years being basically in an outside environment, covered by a roof so it doesn't get rained on, but uh, open to the mice, the spiders, the dew, the cold, and it still keeps chugging along. Um, right now I'm at about six millivolts and it's taken me 24 hours to get there, almost 24 hours to get there. Of course, you know, I, I start out with just a candle and then just kind of slowly bump it up over the, over the course of the firing so that, uh, the temperature rises really slowly. And.
right now, once again, little nugget is climbing all over me. She was just over my shoulder. Now she's on my lap. Now it looks like she's going to go over my shoulder again. So I will sign off for now. December 19, 5.08 a.m. I've been up all night. I've got the temperature up to around 16 millivolts now. Um, I made the mistake of not gradually changing my clock to the night shift. And so I've been uh, sitting in the chair dozing a lot. It's been pretty hard to stay awake. I think the smart thing to do is to sort of prepare your body if you're going to be doing the night shift by um, by degrees, you know. Stay up till 3 on one night, get up at noon, then stay up till 5 and get up at 3, and then eventually you can stay up all the way through the early, early morning hours. Although, no matter what, I always find the time from 6 to 8 to be the most difficult time of the day to get through. And then somehow, if I get past 8, it's sometimes hard to just fall asleep, even though I'll be actually exhausted. It's 5.30 p.m., and I'm facing my first quandary of the firing. I have the temperature up around 31 millivolts, which is um, just uh, low red heat. It's the very beginnings of red heat. And I think it's good to hold it here for a while so that the back of the kiln can even up with the front. The back of the kiln's at about 25 millivolts. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not burning much wood to keep it at this temperature. It's real, it's holding with just a minimal amount of wood being used. And, um, I can see ashes landing on the pottery, but I would, well, and at first my inclination was to hold it here at this temperature for quite a while so that I can get a collection of ash on the tops of the pieces and then at the end bring up the temperature and get it melted so, you know, I can have pottery that has um, a sort of unglazed surface towards the bottom with glaze on the top dripping down like you see in classic Shigaraki Anagama fired pottery. And um, that seems like a good idea. But also now I'm worrying, you know, okay, so I'm burning all this wood. It's actually not a whole lot. It's just a little. But I'm burning this wood, and the ash is kind of dry powder still. It's not, it's not melted in any way. And so what am I doing? Am I just, am I adding ash to the pieces? Or is it going to get to the point where, you know, there's a certain amount of dust on them, and then it just falls off onto the shelves and later melts on those shelves and helps deteriorate the shelves more quickly. And, um, you know, so now I'm questioning what my plan was originally, which was to run it at this temperature for a longer period of time to try to get that glassy top, drier bottom effect that I'd like to have. Um, so, let's see. All right. Once, once I start firing, I get more tired less able to think clearly, so stick with the regular plan. 7.30 p.m. I pulled out pull number one. Uh, I didn't really expect there to be any glaze or anything on it. That's not why I pulled it out. I want to see how much the 
the little ash crumbs adhere to the surface of the pieces at this point. Because if they don't adhere very well, then I think I'm going to raise the temperature. If they do adhere well, then I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I checked the pole and um, at 30, 31 millivolt, somewhere, in, the average is somewhere between 30 and 31 millivolts right now. Um, the pottery is definitely bisqued, and, uh, but the ash tends to blow off when I blow on it. At least 60 or 70 percent of the ash would blow off. So I've decided I'm going to push the temperature a little higher. I'm gonna go to around, try to get it to where it's averaging around 35 millivolts. Um, I, I keep mentioning the temperature in millivolts. Just uh, the way the way a pyrometer works is a thermocouple has two kinds of metal, and when they get hot, an electrical charge is generated between those two metals. The physics of this, I don't understand. And this is just what they say. So anyway, a pyrometer is nothing more than a voltmeter with a scale for temperature instead of volts or millivolts. The voltage is very low. So uh, the I I found the uh, I found a a formula or a not a formula a chart for converting millivolts to actual temperatures once upon a time. I could probably locate it. The issue is the the formula isn't a linear formula. You know, it isn't every millivolt is three degrees Celsius or something like that. Um, as uh, the temperature increases, the the value or the temperature value for for every change in millivolts also changes. So it's um, it's complicated. And besides, the fact is I really don't care what the temperature is. I base the end of the firing on poles, on little bits of pottery I can pull out of the kiln and look at look at them, see if the glaze is developed thick enough and smooth enough. Um, and that's that's really the only measure that makes any any real sense. Because uh, it, it tells you very directly whether the pottery is going to be glazed or not. So anyway, I do care about whether or not the temperature is rising or falling. And so the multimeters that I have here, they tell me, you know, if the, if the voltage is higher, then the temperature is rising. If the voltage is lower, then it's falling. And then I can follow this on a graph that, you know, prints out on the computer screen. And it makes it real handy. Particularly when um, there's people who've never stoked the kiln ever. I can just say something like, you know, whenever the temperature hits 30 millivolts, stoke three pieces of wood and then go to sleep and I'll come back and the kiln temperature will be just where it was and everything will be hunky-dory. It's about 10.45 p.m. and there is now a cone of glowing gas that comes out of the chimney after each stoke. So... The front of the kiln is running about 35 millivolts, the back's around 30. It's real nice to have the difference between the front and back as small as possible. So, because, well, because then the whole thing will fire together. Um, and I'm real happy with that 5 millivolt difference. That's, that's really pretty small. I should mention the, the reason I'm, I don't just blast the front is because the back of the kiln needs time to catch up, basically. There's 
you know, a lot of ground moisture, a lot of bricks, a lot of mass to heat up. And so if I raise the temperature slowly in the front, it gives the back time to catch up. And you'll, you'll see this when you're stoking, you know, like I was at uh, 31 for quite some time earlier today. And uh, then I decided, well, I'm going to go to about 35. And, um, you know, I start stoking a little extra wood a little more frequently, and suddenly the ground is steaming, and the, the stench of uh, boiling groundwater is actually pretty nasty. Anyway, it's all, it's pretty much all cleared off now. I can actually sit around the kiln and, without choking, so that's good. I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, I guess I'm going to go make tea. It's uh, 7.48 a.m. and um, this morning about a quarter to six, 5.40ish, I took out a second pole and um, indeed the ashes are sticking here at the 35 millivolt level. Also interesting is the first pole is really white and the second one's kind of gray. So that whole bit I had about reducing the amount of time I used the gas burner and the soot and all that bogus that that has no effect that soot burns off long before uh, uh, I can't think well the soot burns off and um, whatever gray soot gets on the pieces or especially shows up on the porcelain that is uh, that comes from later in the firing so I guess I don't have to worry about that let's see what else the wet wood is pretty difficult to use, trying to mix it with wet and a little bit of dry, but I'm trying to save the most of the dry for the end of the firing when I need to make the temperature hot. Listen to that, it's raining good. All right, now here's the real rain. We got some wind too. You can't even hear the fire. It's 9.30 p.m. Yeah, the wind's gonna help the kiln. It fires much better when it's windy. Woo, listen to that. I love weather. It's about 10 p.m. And I uh, just took a, a good peek at, uh, in this firing, I put some cone packs in. All I have is cones 11 and 10. I just happened to find a box, two boxes of those while I was rummaging around. Anyway, uh, so I decided I'd stick them in. Um, cone 10 is bending over. And the, you know, here's, here's this thing about pyrometers. Um, 
it's still reading between 34 and 36. I'm just trying to hug 35 millivolts. And it's been that way for a long time. And uh, the uh, cones have, you know, been standing proud during that entire time. But I've increased the size of the fire. I haven't increased the temperature, just the size of it. You know, I've pushed it in a little more deeply into the kiln. And uh, so now cone 10's just falling right over. And the temperature reading is still 35. The other thing is, earlier, you know, I could look... I could look at the pieces without... I could, just, I could look in the kiln, and it didn't bother my eyes too much. I know you're not supposed to do that. I know. Uh, but, you know, I could look, and, you know, I didn't have many spots or anything like that. And everything was bright orange. Anyway, now everything's really bright, and it's painful to look at. So, you know, it's time to break out the welding goggles. And uh, temperature still said... The, reading still says 35 millivolts so uh, you know there's a a couple of things I consider um, one is that type K thermocouples just aren't very accurate when you get to high temperatures so you know that might be the issue um, regarding the cones you know I don't know if the cones actually melt at their normal cone 10 because after a while they've collected ashes which are a flux and maybe they help them melt but by the same token, the color inside the kiln tells me it's hotter now than it was earlier today or yesterday, even though the millivolt reading is just the same, and even though the pyrometer reading is just the same, the cones didn't melt yesterday, but they did today. The difference is how bright the kiln is inside. December 21. 2006 solstice it's 2:38 a.m. and we had a spell of uh, pretty strong wind there for a little while and it just it just occurred to me some some thinking that I had was wrong anyway so the the wind kicks up and that makes it so that um, uh, there's more the fire there's some flames that come out of the fire mouth when I open the door. Not not a ton, but, you know, some, which is more than usual, which is usually none. And But also, at the same time, the front and back kiln temperatures went up. And, you know, I had been saying that the wind makes the kiln draft better, something like that or whatever. And uh, it's just totally wrong. What's happening is the wind is making the kiln draft worse. And it's slowing the fire through the kiln, which is causing a consequent rise in temperature in the kiln. So clearly, what I need to do is uh, take a few rungs off the chimney, which is easy. I just stand up there on the platform and take off the bricks. Um, and that would slow the fire down through the kiln and make it more efficient. By the same token, I wonder, do I want it more efficient? Because if it's more efficient, it burns less wood, which means I have to fire longer. And, um, you know, it's, um, there's only so many nights I can stay up and fire. So, anyhow, that's my thought. It's 5.03 a.m. And I just saw a flash of lightning. 
it's very far away, but it was bright. And there's not often lightning here, so that was interesting. It's been windy. I think I mentioned that. So I'm just um, trying to keep awake, and I have an alarm clock, which I set, currently set to go off in about 10 minutes, just in case I doze off. And it saved me a couple times already. So there's a good idea. If you're alone late at night firing, have yourself an alarm clock that you can set up. Because um, it's really, really easy to doze off. You find yourself thinking about something, and then it turns into a kind of a dream. And the next thing you know, you're just kind of jerking awake from some uncomfortable position. Um, interesting things, you know, when you get really tired, you don't, you don't think so quickly. Like, uh, I'll be seeing, no, 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 not seeing things, but like, I'll see something, and it'll take me a long time to register what it is. It's, uh, like, uh, a little while ago, I saw some strips of bark, and I kind of stopped in my tracks, sort of afraid. I didn't know what it was and as I looked at it it eventually resolved into uh, strips of bark but you know I guess uh, ooh, did you hear that? that was thunder primitive mind sleepy mind is primitive mind? maybe? I don't know um, so it seemed like it could have been some kind of dangerous animal or bug or something big and so I stopped in my tracks Anyway, this probably does not belong in the podcast. Five nineteen AM Wind, rain, thunder, lightning, and hail. Now it's just gotta get really cold and snow. Oh, the cats are free. Temperature's great. I got 38 millivolts up front and 33.9 in the back. Yeah, now I'm awake. Now I don't need the alarm clock. Um, it's 5.49 a.m. And what a downpour. Hail. So loud. I, I couldn't... I don't... Uh, I plugged my ears for a while. Um, and now, all of a sudden, it's totally still. It's, uh, it's drizzling, or light rain, I guess. And there's still lots of water dripping. Um, you know, the gutters are full of hail. But, um, 
just light rain now and no wind at all it was crazy it was windy and hailing and thunder and lightning and now it's still so uh, that definitely woke me up it's quite uh, invigorating maybe it was the kiln god telling me not to fall asleep again so I got the message 6.38 a.m. and I went out back behind the kiln to look at the mountain see if I could see any light yet and uh, well that's a no but of all things there's stars it totally cleared up well not totally there's clouds all to the east so that might explain why I can't see any light yet and the sky with the stars in it there's the clouds to the east and then the sky and stars and to the east the sky has a faint hint of lighter color so uh, it's very pretty oh and the the kiln it's a it's at peak temperature or hottest temperature so far this firing I probably shouldn't have done that I probably should have just waited till the end because uh, I have to cool down during the day when I do the no making smoke firing or no making smoke method of firing um, but uh, I don't know I guess you know I didn't completely follow my plan but that's what happens too when you get tired you just uh, start doing stuff and later you try to figure out why you did it Meow. There's Silver. He's all wet. I don't... Huh. With the microphone the other way, I don't know if you were able to hear him. Oh, yeah. Crime wired on the computer. Get it all wet. Oh. 7.15 p.m. About 7 a.m. this morning, I took out the fourth pole. Except it was numbered six, unfortunately. I must have been tired when I loaded the kiln and I put it in backwards. They're numbered in Roman numerals and um, I got it backwards. But anyway, it showed uh, the glazes starting to build up in the in the flat areas finally. And so that's nice. I'm just going to be stoking through the night. And um, my, my plan from the beginning was bit to be to try to recreate the last firing with its nice color which means uh, not burning so much wood, but I always end up feeling like I so want to make a bunch of shizenyu, a lot of drippy ash glaze, and, you know, looking at that little piece with the glaze in there makes me want that, and so I'm considering extending the firing a day so I can burn more wood and get more glaze, but I also know it's a really bad idea to make changes at the, um, middle or towards the end of the firing let's see the rain from last night i guess it's still raining today but not hard like last night the rain from last night really lifted the water table there's actually some standing water just a little puddle down in the bottom of the kiln pit um, and the right side of the kiln is steaming a whole lot more than it had been so you know obviously there's water moving under the kiln even the left side of the kiln, the little 
drain plug hole, the drain hole at the bottom, there's a lot more steam coming out of it in an area that's uh, coated with moisture from steam condensation. I guess I should take some pictures, huh? Yeah, let's do that. It's 10.52 p.m. and uh, in the last couple hours I took the chimney down three rungs, so that's three rows of bricks, seven and a half inches. Just seeing what that does to the temperature in the back and it seems to have had a positive effect. Tonight it's really still, so using the uh, observation that the wind makes the fire come out the front, which must mean the fire travels through the kiln more slowly to mean the draft in the chimney is too strong, I decided to lower it a little. It's 11.20 p.m. and I just took a really good look around the kiln. Lots of the pottery, or the pottery is glistening on the front, but um, I don't see, I don't see thick drips. So, still my quandary, do I stick to the plan or do I add a day? Get the, get the lots of the glassy glaze. It's always a bad idea to change plans. And if I go for the glaze, then I'll have hours and hours and hours of dremeling. Because I know it's just gonna, I'll just have lots of stuck wadding, for sure. So, and I, I really don't like dremeling the wadding off. First off, it's dull. And secondly, it, it's really easy to ruin a piece um, you know, you might ting it and it'll ring nicely, then you'll dremel it and it'll be dead when you ting it. Um, so I don't know, but by the same token, that thick glassy glaze is so beautiful. But on the like, other hand, other token, mixing my metaphors, the uh, fire color, that's really beautiful too. And it's really easy to prepare the pieces after the firing. So, so what shall I do? We'll have to decide later, I guess. I don't know. I guess I'll just, I, what'll happen is I'll just suddenly decide at one point and I won't exactly know why, but that's what I'll do. It's December 22, 12.36 a.m. The solstice is over now, so from this point on, the days will be getting longer. Kind of sad. I like winter a lot, and I feel a happy sense of anticipation up to solstice, and then um, some kind of disappointment as we get towards longer days. But then, you know, fall equinox is nice, because you know... From that point on, it gets better. Anyway, about stoking. Um, I'm, I have two forms of stoking. I have daytime stoking and nighttime stoking. Daytime stoking is um, basically, since I'm not that far from a road where people can see, it's mostly designed to minimize the number of calls the 911 center gets by... Uh, Keeping it, uh, keeping it low key, keeping the smoke down and stuff. So um, daytime stoking is 
Wow, sounds like a jet going by. Anyway, daytime stoking is three big pieces and it creates an incredibly queen burn. It's, it's the stealth stoke, as I say. Nighttime stoking is um, about getting wood through the kiln because the glaze comes from wood and it's, it's smokier. Um, so I do that at night. And uh, one reason I like the long nights. Anyhow, so nighttime stoking, I'm stoking pieces of wood that are kindling size. And, you know, good arm load of those each time. Interestingly, the kiln, it, kiln goes hotter when um, you stir a lot. I say interestingly because when you stir, you have to leave the door open. So anyway, this kiln doesn't have an ash pit. So the ashes kind of pile up. What I do is with my stainless steel stirring rod, I will, it has a hook at the end. It's just kind of bent at the end in a kind of a hook shape. So I stick that in there and I push the burning wood from the last stoke to the left and to the right and stir up the coal bed till the embers are like uh, small jewels and make kind of a valley down the center. And then I stoke the wood in there, crisscross, two each way, so it makes this sort of stack, like two one way, two the other, two the other. Uh, Lincoln Logs is all I can think of right now, but that's not right. But may maybe you know what I mean. It looks like, uh, if you look at it from the top, like a whole bunch of ast not asterisks, um, pound signs, pound signs. Um, stacked on top of each other and uh, even though the doors open for quite a while during stirring maybe 30 seconds maybe a minute it um, doesn't have a negative effect on the temperature if you don't stir temperature doesn't get as hot but if you do stir like that man the temperature just skyrockets it's a good way to go anyway I can't tell you how long it took me to figure that out. It seems so simple, you know. Just, you have to make sure the wood is in a nice, comfortable position to burn and that it can get air. So, pushing the burning wood to the side, stirring up the ember bed so it's kind of smooth and not getting in the way of air getting to the new wood and making a little valley for the air to get to the wood seems um, you know pretty obvious but it took me a long time to figure that out anyway anyway probably probably I'm gonna stick to plan and end the firing this morning but uh, I can't guarantee that so that's all for now oh the wind's picked up it feels good I'm hot I'm hot and sweaty and stinky It's 1.50 a.m. and I just lowered the chimney another 10, 10 inches, um, 25 centimeters for our friends with the real measuring system. Um, wash the grime off my face and hands. Put on a new layer of sunscreen. Here's a hint. If you're going to do anything near the fire mouth for a significant amount of time, put on sunscreen. Lots of it and often. Even, even with using the sunscreen, I know I'm going to feel next week. 
but uh, you know, do what you can to try to protect yourself from the heat. And I, as I understand it, there's uh, UV. That's why it's bad to look at. Anyway, moving right along, um, the temperature dropped mysteriously. And so I'm just struggling to get it to come back. I don't know if it's a real temperature drop or, or the thermocouple's not working, but I suspect it's real. I should, I know, I've, I, I fluctuate, do I trust the equipment or not, which is probably real, because the fire after stoking out of the chimney doesn't seem as bright, but then that could be because I lowered the chimney. It's all so confusing, you know, there's so many different variables, and it's hard to tell if any, what, it's hard to tell what's going on at any moment. You just, I guess all you can do is really just keep stoking and hope for the best. Two thirty-two exactly, AM. Got the first good Samaritan of the firing. I stopped by to make sure everything was okay because we saw the fire from the chimney. Um, so that's nice. Nice that he stopped. Three o nine a.m. Here's what bothers me about the pyrometers or the thermocouples hooked up to the digital multimeters. <clears throat> They've been showing that I've been slowly but steadily losing temperature for about the last three hours, but I just took a peek inside the kiln and it's. It's really, really bright. Brighter, white, bright. Kinda just awfully bright. And so I just don't, I just don't get it. it drives me crazy. Um, but yeah, I really don't get them. I wonder, well, I don't know, I suppose it could be towards the high temperature and they just start failing, or maybe after X number of days, they don't work so well. I wish I knew better how they worked. I, I mean, understand it's two different kinds of metals when they get hot, they generate voltage, but why? And uh, how come at the upper temperatures they become um, erratic? You know, so if they're making voltage then, one metal must be sending electrons to the other, but when they become erratic, that process must be interrupted in some way. I wonder how that works. I want to research that. Now I'm wavering back. Oh, it's 3.43 a.m. Wavering back to trusting the instruments. Um, just because... Uh, the instruments are probably right. So anyway, um, you know, all the careful stoking, stirring, crisscrossing, and so forth. Sometimes you just need volume. And so I just did, uh, so, you know, um, 
two stokes, which were just like to the ceiling kind of stokes. And uh, it's temperature is recovering now. Now I'm going back to doing the make the little valley and stoke the wood, and it's really effective. I guess the kiln probably had just the coals had burned down too much, and so now that I've rebuilt like this massive mound, it's huge, you know, very big mound of coals, pile of coals. Things are good. It's, uh, did I say the time? It's 3.44 a.m., and I think I'm going to be going to bed in about two hours. Yay. Four thirty a.m. I just took out the last pull about 15 minutes ago, and uh, I'd say the glaze is good. There's, I think, enough of it without being too much that it's gonna make the wadding really hard to get off. I'm um, doing the choke stoke again. The glaze inside the little bowl part of the pole is uh, has a green tinge to it and under the theory that the iron in the glaze that looks green is sort of like olivine figure I'll do some reductions, uh, do some reduction soakings, just, which is real easy, just uh, put an awful lot of wood, and you can tell by the fire from the chimney, because the fire from the chimney gets bright yellow when all that unburned carbon hits the air. Oh, hey there, Silver, how are you? Um, cat came by. Let's see. I think I mentioned earlier about getting the the poles kind of out of order, but I don't think I did because I counted the the little the sets of wattings that were standing holding them up. And I think what happened is that four and five actually fell into the kiln. So when I grabbed number six the fourth time, it had been in order. It's just they've gotten knocked off. Um, We'll see if this this one is still too hot to touch, but I'll turn it over and see if it's number seven. Let's see. Sounds like my water is about to boil. So I am going to make some decaf coffee. There it goes. Yes, decaf. 7 a.m. and I changed my mind gonna go a little more um, just I want some glaze that's all it is I just want some glaze I like the glaze so it's 7 p.m. this is definitely gonna be the last day if uh, for no other reason then I will run out of wood I've been pushing the temperature up to uh, higher higher temperatures from the inevitable loss that happens during the daytime with the no smoke stoke. Um, and uh, I, I think the other night I said some baloney about the pyrometers. You know, I think they work. 
I think they work fine. And I think what's happening is I'll be tired and I'll want to believe the kiln is hot and I'll tell myself that it is when uh, what I really should be doing is probably paying attention to them because I've been paying close attention tonight to the sound of the fire, the temperature range, and um, whether there's fire exiting the chimney. And you know, when the, when the fire gets down to like a slow popcorn sound, like the end, when you're making popcorn towards the end, you know the popping comes slower. And the chimney flame starts to waver. It starts to get weak. And I'll notice at the same time, the temperature range is peaking. It'll start fluttering, you know, between tenths of a millivolt, you know, maybe up and down or, well, maybe a little to the up and then a little to the down, a little up, a little down, or maybe on the downside. And if it's on the downside, it's real, that's where it's dangerous because if you miss the spot, you're not going to make a nice gain. But uh, I've been making nice gains. And I'm, I was, uh, I'm on the upswing of one right now. <clears throat> it's not going to reach as much as it did last time. But I was above 38 millivolts at the top. The back is 32 and climbing. Yesterday I had the back up to 36. But, so anyway, I think anything I say about the pyrometer should just be taken with a grain of salt because who knows maybe who knows what's right but i think you know i should trust the instruments they're um probably more reliable than i am when i'm extra tired and want and desiring something so i start seeing what i want to see as opposed to seeing what's there and the uh, instruments are much more objective than i am so that's my thought it's 10.30 p.m. December 22nd. This is the last day of firing. In fact, it just, it's really just winding down right now. I'm um, just letting the coal bed burn down a bit and keeping it in a nice hot oxidation fire so that everything is kind of melty. I've pulled the coals away from the Kogé stuff in the front and uh, there's a tall round thing that just kind of fell so I just tried to arrange that some way on the ashes so it won't stick to bricks maybe it'll be interesting on a refire or maybe it'll just be interesting we'll see um, anyway so I'm uh, I'm pretty much at the end of my wood I could go another eight hours I think but I'm at the end of my stamina and I can't go any further. Let's see, I, uh, it's a little early, I suppose, but I, I cracked open my post-firing beer and uh, emptied out the Kiln God Sake and gave them some beer too. And so we're just kind of kicking back, relaxing, just a little tiny stove, little gentle stir, not a stir, but just a pulling the coals away from the Kogé pieces, and uh, and then in a little while, I'll start working on sealing it up, but I've got to let the coal bed burn down, so. 10.46 p.m., I uh, bricked in the upper fire mouth as well as I could, 
put the door back over it. I mean, there's still cracks through it and all. But uh, I put the bricks around. It's December 23, noon. The kiln has been closed for quite a while. I think I finished up around midnight last night. I'll have to look at my pictures. They'll have the dates in them. Uh, but I think I closed up around then. Shortly after I closed up the kiln, it got windy and rainy. I could have used that wind a little earlier. But anyway, I went to bed, woke up, and came out, and the water is seeping back into the kiln pit. This is this morning I woke up. I could see water seeping back into the kiln pit. And uh, then I got tired again, so I just came back inside and fell asleep. And then I had a very, very bad dream. I dreamt that I was inside the studio, and I woke because I heard a car coming. So I go outside, and I notice there's all kinds of streams of water everywhere, little rivulets and, and puddles and water backing up because it's pouring. And so I go check the kiln and the kiln pit is filling with water and there's water coming in from all over the place. And uh, in the wall of the kiln pit, this big gaping hole had opened like a cave mouth and the water is going down through it like a small river and I hear another car so I come back up and see this other person driving up and he's driving crazy and like almost smashes into some truck that I had borrowed to carry wood and that made me kind of upset and then I go into the studio and there's water literally gushing from the ceiling not just a leak but just gushing and so I come outside and all this wood had fallen onto the roof and mangled the metal and broken the wood and it was like it was going to cave in and I didn't have any materials around to fix it and everything inside is getting soaking wet and there's all these people here to see just how bad things have gotten and how much I failed so uh, I consider that a nightmare. It's also somewhat representative of what I, what the feeling for me after I close up the kiln and before I can open it. <clears throat> right now, whether the pottery is good or bad is already set. It's done. It's in there. It's just too hot to open it up and look at it and tell and see. You know, I've taken the test, <clears throat> excuse me, I've taken the test, it's been graded, and it's sitting in the teacher's desk, and you won't let me look at it for another week. That part, that part's rough. So, I'm going to uh, pack up a couple things. The place needs a serious tidying up, but I'm altogether too beat to even think about that. Go home, and I will watch videos, try not to think about things, and uh, try to sit in very comfortable positions. And I guess that's it. Firing's really over.